1: Score a kick. And Celtic couldn't handle the word on the set piece. It's a brilliant header. And Kale goes to spectacular. What about that? What about
0: that? Oh. Here's Aloisi from placing the world well in Paris. He's yeah! scored! Australia
1: have You're with Shim, Spider, and so much more. Take it away, fellas.
0: Yes, hello again. Good to have you with us for another edition of Shim Spider and so much more. Another big week for football in Australia with the release of a white paper on a domestic transfer system. On the pitch, Carl Robinson returned to Newcastle and made off with the points. And our special guest in part three of the show is the Western United head coach, Mark Rudan. Before all that, time to chat with my regular gruesome twosome. Just a mere 106 Socceroos caps between them. A big hello to Zelko Kalach and Craig Moore. Spider, we're going to start with you. The big kickoff, it was postponed again, but I understand next week, next week, finally, you're going to kick a ball.
2: Yeah, it was postponed only because the draw hadn't been officially done. So, uh, officially, yeah, we're official now. We're finally official. We start next week. We just don't know if we're playing Saturday or Sunday. So, we're really excited. And as you could imagine, the players, the club, the fans,
0: everyone's very excited. Um, I I saw a photo of Paul Izzo in hospital on his Instagram So what's, What's going on with Paul?
2: Yeah, he had, um, I I can't even explain, it's like, it was like a bursa, but it was a very old injury, so we thought we would just uh, get it out now while we had the time to take it out, but it was actually worse than what we thought. Um, So he'll he'll be recovering, but hopefully not too long before he's back uh, out there and training.
0: Okay. Wish him all the best with his uh, recuperation. Uh, Maury, hope you're staying safe. Nearly 70,000 new cases every day at the moment in the UK of the coronavirus. Goodness me. How are you going over there?
3: Mate, well, I'm not leaving the house. That's how I'm going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's tough. Yeah. The numbers are, are incredible. Um, but like I said, Simon, I think personally just trying to be responsible, you know, my bubble obviously is, uh, is minimal, uh, and trying to, trying to do the right things, mate. But uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of cases in the UK in general, um, hopefully that starts to, to come down over time with the, with the vaccine.
0: Yep. That's the big hope. Okay. Thanks for the moment, guys. Let's get into it then with hard talk. Hard talk. Our talk is brought to you by Streamgate, one of Australia's first live streaming companies operating since 2008. They focus on virtual and hybrid sessions broadcasting to unlimited online audiences worldwide by either a secure private stream page or publicly on social media. Live streaming allows social online engagement as viewers are able to communicate back to the presenters in real time while social distancing so should you require a small personal event or business level webcast please go to streamgate.com.au or you can find them on instagram so guys before we get uh, onto the on-field issues uh, let's talk about this release of the FA. Football Australia, we have to say that, can't abbreviate. White paper on the domestic transfer system. Among the categories under discussion in the paper are training rewards, loans, player eligibility rules, transfer fees, agents, private academies, etc. etc. Maury, I sent you the link to this. I know you and Spider have been up half the night trying to digest it. What are your thoughts on all this?
3: Well, look, we we, we need to get um, in line with what's happening. Uh, globally within the, within the game. This is uh, Football Australia's white-page document that, that kind of just goes into uh, a lot more detail about what what it's going to look like um, and hopefully, more importantly, sooner rather than later being rolled, rolled out. Uh, but Simon Light says, I mean, we know how important the, the transfer system is, how, much, uh, how important it is internationally, more importantly, domestically. And, um, you know, and, and that, that will look slightly different to what the international um, regulations will look like. But it's good to see that they're, they're finally getting through all these kind of things. 75-page 75, 75 document. So, I, had, I, I scanned through it. Uh, I felt as if I knew quite a lot about um, a lot of these issues. Uh, reading a 75-page document, I'm not sure whether it confused me a little bit more than, than what I was. Um, but look, it's it's definitely something that we need to be looking at and it's good that it's on the table now. Spider.
2: I'll be honest, Simon, I, I curse the living daylights out of you when I opened the email <laughs> and seen 75 pages of things that have been happening in world football for the last 50 years. And it, look, it just actually upsets me a little bit because we seem to be a country all documented up. All PowerPoint presentations, that's what we're about. But these things have been happening in football for a long time, okay? Like Maury said, it's a little bit clearer, the picture of what's gonna happen, but it's no different than what has been happening. It's just that we've been behind, and we've not been up to speed, and not been following what the other countries have been doing. Hopefully now, that will help us uh, guide the way for, for money to get moved around between football clubs in Australia.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And internationally as well, uh, some figures that were included in the white paper on the international transfer market, Australia received just $1.9 million US or two and a half million Australian in transfer fees in 2019. And this is compared to other selling countries as characterized by the white paper, selling in inverted commas, the Netherlands over 500 million Mexico 141 million, Croatia 62 million. in our own region, Maury, Japan 38 million, South Korea 34.25 million. So we're, we're not even on the radar.
3: No, we're, we're not. and I think that was also uh, something that, that is in the, the document in terms of uh, uh, a transfer culture, you know Australia being yeah. a, having a transfer culture. and you, know, you, you touch on the amount of money that's come into the Australian game of 1.9 million. I think it's $7 billion industry. Um, and you look at the Netherlands, for example, who have had, you know, 500 million odd in transfers, Simon, but they invest, you know, the the, the for example, are investing 10 million euros per year into their academy infrastructure to get those returns. So you, it's back to that one. You need to invest to, to enjoy the benefits, if that makes sense.
0: I guess spider and and you're probably a good person to ask about this given your experience coaching uh, an MPL club which you did before heading over to Greece that sort of investment in an academy system at the moment we don't have that at a league level to any large degree the, the clubs are starting to build their academy systems a lot of players come through the MPL system and that leads. Unfortunately, to the MPL clubs losing out. And this is where mm-hmm. the direct training compensation, which is also mentioned in the white paper, comes in. And again, some figures. The value of this in total in 2019, paid by A League clubs to training clubs, as they're described, which is effectively the MPL clubs, in total during that calendar year, $402,000. And over the last five years, the average payment per training club per year is $1,243. I mean, that's a Rid- nonsense, isn't it?
2: Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And, and this, is, this is the big problem. And we keep talking about finances, guys. This is the key. Like Maury just told you, AX spend 10 million euro a year on the youth academy to get a return. We in Australia have to spend more money on our youth and our academies. We need to get better coaches into our youth academies. The problem is, A lot of these coaches are on minimal. They're doing it because they have got a kid at the club playing or for one reason or the other. The clubs like Wanderers, for example, in the A-League, Sydney FC, these clubs that are actually spending more money, are they getting returns? And this is the big problem that everyone keeps talking about. Grassroots football is the feeder to the A-League, to transfers, to everything. If we don't get that right, we're gone. We can't expect to produce players if coaches are getting paid $5,000 a year. I'm sorry, it ain't gonna work.
0: This, Maury, all goes back, does it not? And again, we're always in these circular arguments. Where does that investment come from? Well. In Europe, of course, it comes from big television deals, big sponsorship deals. Advertisers are, are, are crawling over each other to be involved with clubs like Ajax. Doesn't work that way in Australia. So again, it's about A-League owners um, trying to get that value into the domestic competition. Then everything trickles down, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, no, it does. It does, Simon. And we are in a unique situation where we, we, we're trying to get a return on, on certain talent. Um, there is a need and a desire to to, to sell the best players, um, but it's important that we build uh, trust and, and good relationships with uh, you know European partners, Asian partners. Um, we need to we start getting a regular churn of of talented players moving uh, for we, for us to create that kind of culture that we're talking about, Simon. And then, you know. We're talking about the top top countries it's not happened overnight it takes a, it takes a long time it takes a lot of trust it takes good systems and then all of a sudden if you're assigned a player from ajax do you know that you've got a player that's well polished been well educated and is ready to go we need to we need to build and it's going to take a lot it's going to take five ten years <clears throat> but we need to be looking at that in the meantime can we be creative through partnerships you might not get as much money but you might have sell-ons. You just need to be a little bit creative in trying to make a a dollar. Um, But it's very difficult in Australia, as we know, with the finances as Spider, you touch on once again.
0: Yeah, it's about um, growing the football economy, which is something, uh, a trick that has eluded many good people down the years. Talking of which, uh, again, before we move on to the on-field action, um, the National Second Division, the AAFC, will uh, make a statement this week, uh, d- delayed from January the 8th, I think because of uh, Christmas and COVID and various other things. Um, but the head of the APFCA, the umbrella group that sort of uh, it takes care of the early clubs, Paul Lederer, uh, said this just last week on promotion and relegation at least. That is a subject for the future. It's not going to happen this year or next year. We want to increase the number of clubs. And when we're up to 16, we'll have a look. There are higher priorities at the moment. Now, Spider, I want your views not, not just on that statement, but also the fact that um, the way that the uh, the split has been done between uh, the governing body and the A-League clubs, I'm not even sure it's Paul Lederer's um, prerogative to to be able to say that, because they they're not going to have control over... Uh, who comes in and out of the A-League. That, that's how I read it. Is that correct?
2: Uh, I don't think that's going to happen for the first few years. I think they'll still have a say, like we've spoken about before, about the investment of the A-League clubs. And I, I actually understand where Mr. Letter is coming from with saying that it's not going to happen in the next two, three years. We want to get the A-League up to 16 teams. Mm. I, I actually get all that. And I understand it because, again, the A-League clubs are struggling. So it's all a financial it's all about finances, 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 and the second division is going to cost money, whichever way you look at it. But when are we going to get up to sixteen teams? We're at twelve at the moment. We're struggling. Where are we going to get the other four teams before we get we think about even think about a second division? That's a long way away in football.
3: Yeah, and and the hard thing, Simon, I think, and what we need to try to work harder to achieve in Australia is there needs to be, there needs to be a commitment from everybody to take the game forward. That's the A-League clubs, that's Football Australia, what they're going to control moving forward. But government, in, you know, government for me is really, really important in terms of enable us to grow our game. Uh, with the Women's World Cup coming in 2023, look, this is the opportunity where we need to get government involved and change the culture or get people to actually invest and commit to the game. If we don't get people to invest and commit to our game, we we're we're, we're we're struggling, and we'll always struggle, unfortunately.
0: Spider, you've said on this podcast more than once you wanted a national second division in now, next season.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, for, for me, for me, it's still a possibility. I, I still don't understand why we can't set up a second division, and we don't have to play for promotion. They don't have to go into the A league for the first year or two but set them up so they are prepared. So when the time comes that these clubs are viable and are ready to go into the A-League when the opportunity comes up. Because there are a lot of good clubs in Australia that wanna be the best they can be, that wanna probably use the opportunity to promote young players and to use the transfer window to sell players. And they're not getting this opportunity.
0: Okay, we'll see what uh, the AAFC come up with uh, this week. Just by way of comparison, uh, the J-League chairman, Mitsuru Murai, said just this week, uh, after the 2020 season, this is about uh, the league in Japan, uh, Gamba Osaka and Cerezo Osaka's under-23 teams will be leaving the J3, that's the third tier in Japan, and we're welcoming a new club as our 57th club. We've also started Project DNA to help develop the league And we're launching an elite league to give younger players more game time. It has taken them time. And the league in Japan is built around the same sort of model, the same structure as the A-League, expand the J-League first, then divisions two and three, but look how far they've got. That's what you get with a long-term plan and strategy. And yes, I know that Japan is different to Australia, but 57 clubs, and they only started in the 1990s, incredible. Um, Let's move on to talk about uh, the A-League action on the pitch. Not much of it, of course, this weekend because a whole raft of fixtures were postponed due to uh, the problems with the global pandemic. Um, One game that was played was up in Newcastle on Friday night. Jets won Wanderers 2. The Wanderers a bit too good, Maury, despite a a spirited late comeback uh, from the Jets on uh, Carl Robinson's return to the Hunter.
3: Yeah, no, it was an interesting game, wasn't it? Always a little bit of spice when you've got a, a former coach returning so soon um, to a previous employer. And I was then disappointed
0: later, there wasn't more spice, to be honest. I thought it was all a little bit tame.
3: I mean, yeah, he got a
0: few boos, but it's—I mean, you know, I would have thought he was. I thought he was going to get the full treatment with the Allen snakes and everything.
3: Yeah, but is that—is that a game we touch on? That's probably a little bit to do with the Australian uh, mentality and all that. I remember the national team games and all that. We we roll out the red carpet for the people that come to our country and we need to get a result. So, yeah, a little bit of that in this game as well. Uh, but, yeah, when Abini comes on a little bit later, um, he, gets a, he gets a little bit of stick, but nothing that uh, he, he couldn't handle. He had a really good chance um, as well, which he, he on his left foot, he skies over the bar. But Bogard makes it interesting, doesn't it? Just right at the death there to, to get that goal back for the Jets and, and made it an interesting finish. But... Overall, Wanderers were too good uh, and deserved the victory.
0: Spider, um, Rami Nazarene, for me, was one that uh, sort of stood out for the Jets. Um, we know that he'd struggled for game time with Melbourne City. You worked with him at the club during your time there. Um, he, there's no doubt he's got an awful lot of talent. Can this be his big breakthrough season, do you think?
2: This is something that me and Mori have spoken a lot about. And I think he's on loan, isn't he, at Newcastle? So it yes. shows again... The system. He's a Melbourne City player, which Melbourne City is a team that's always competing to win the A League by dropping down. No disrespect to Newcastle, but they're dropping down to Newcastle, who are not going to not going to be in any competition to win the grand final this year. They're going to be playing. He's going to get game time in a weaker team and get more game game awareness, experience, and minutes under his belt, which should in a year's time make him a better player then he can go back to melbourne city do a pre-season and then melbourne city can actually say well he's come come along in leaps and bounds he's got 27 games under his belt okay maybe next year you're ready to be a part of this squad and i think there's a lot of players at the good clubs that probably aren't getting enough minutes because of this reason
0: Mm. Uh, i was also impressed by uh, lucas moragas who played pretty well in uh, a losing team but uh, good three points for the Western Sydney Wanderers, Carl Robinson saying he felt a bit weird going back and taking the points against a team that uh, he'd built. Uh, off the pitch, uh, the Jets announcing Shane Matiski as uh, their executive chairman last week. Laurie McKinnis is going to stick around. Uh, four A-League clubs have taken on the financial running of the club. That, of course, after Martin Lee was uh, stripped of the license and, and probably not before time as well. Uh, macarthur wellington Mori on Saturday. That one ended 1-1. The two Spaniards combining for MacArthur's uh, first home goal, Benyat Echebarria and Markel Susayeta. Um, but the big talking point was was the red card issued to Alex Rufa. Your thoughts?
3: Yeah. Um, my thoughts? Right, I didn't think it was a, it was a red card. Um, obviously, the, the referee has come over. Um, VAR has obviously picked it up and he's gone over and had a look. I'm assuming uh, the sending off was for violent conduct or for for a lash out uh, for the, the secondary incident, if you may, in that with Rufa. But personally, I I didn't see it, Simon. So, mean, I didn't I didn't feel as if it was um, any violent contact or a serious lash out. I thought he was harshly done by, uh, and potentially, um, well, it changes it changes the game because Wellington were extremely dominant, especially in the first half. Probably should have put the game to bed, if I'm being honest. Ball puts in 1-0 up. But Franic was excellent for MacArthur defensively in the first half. Um, and yeah, the, the sending off probably does have an influence on the match. I, th- I think
0: the problem, Spider, is that the, the red cards... I mean, you can't overturn the red card now in terms of the game itself. Uh, I think Wellington may well try and get it rescinded. But I think the threshold is now pretty high for that to occur so that they're going to lose roof for another game or two as well
2: yeah look most of the coaches at the end just accept it and deal with the one week suspension because if they do fight it uh, he might get two or three weeks but listen it, the game has gone that soft that it's scary because there, that's never been a red card ever and there wasn't even a lash out it was nothing and more he said it, it changed the game. Marenkovic will be very disappointed with the way he copped the goal uh, near post, obviously. But MacArthur yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't threaten at all. Um, but the red card makes a big difference because we all know in the last 15, 20 minutes what it's like to play with 10 men, especially with these guys not having a lot of game time. So their fitness levels would have been, would have been down as well.
0: Yeah, tough, uh, tough afternoon for Stefan Marinovic, who ended the game. Uh, with a groin problem, but had to play on because they'd used all their substitutes, Wellington Phoenix. Um, to close this segment, uh, Maury, a couple of cracking strikes in the W League. Grace Marr for Canberra United, Katrina Gorey uh, for Brisbane in the same game, Taylor Ray and Rachel Lowe with long-range strikes for Sydney FC. Uh, and what about Lisa Devanna still doing it at the age of 36?
1: How,
3: how many did Lisa score? Did Lisa scored four? How many goals did she score in that game? it was 6 uh, nil against yeah
0: it was 6-0 the final scoreline against Melbourne City but one of the goals she scored was i mean it was he like, was rolling back the years basically
3: ah uh, but lisa lisa's an absolute she's an absolute gun uh, i've i've loved watching her over the years because she's a competitor um she's not everyone's cup of tea she's honest um she's got pace uh, she's got huge experience and she's she's got goals but We've seen some cracking strikes, as you said. Uh, you know, Grace Mar from Canberra United was was a little bit Beckham-esque, wasn't it? It was, yeah. uh, you know, uh, from distance, lobbed the, the goalkeeper. Katrina Gores was a was a great strike, probably fooled the goalkeeper because it wasn't a lot of backlift, Simon. But I've seen Katrina Gore in my time at Brisbane. She loves a, a shot from distance. Um, Taylor Ray also a very very good goal. Rachel Lowe, I thought for Sydney FC, I thought that was a fantastic finish um, into the into the top corner. So four amazing goals um, from from great talents in Australia, and showing that you know the the women's the women's league and the the women's World Cup. We've got a lot to look forward to in this space. Uh,
0: four great goals and one very amazing scoreline with uh, Melbourne victory. Just to repeat, uh, smashing last year's champions. Uh, Melbourne City by six goals to nil although of course they are much much changed uh, from the team that won the grand final last last season they've lost a whole heap of Matildas as we discussed on the podcast last week all right let's uh, head overseas London calling London calling Yeah, football uh, continues in Europe despite some pretty horrendous figures regarding the new strain of the coronavirus. The UK, as we mentioned at the top of the show, nearly 70,000 new cases daily now. Germany saying every two minutes somebody dies of COVID in that country. Uh, the Euros in the summer of 2021 have surely got to be under some sort of threat with 12 cities supposedly hosting games. That, that can't happen, surely, Spider. That's, that's no, asking you- for trouble, isn't it?
2: No, you would think uh, something like the hub they did for the Asian Champions League or what they did for the Champions League in Europe. Find the safest place, uh, bring the teams here, put them in a hub and, and, and play. I think that that might happen. Uh, we, we all know how big it is financially for, for UEFA and FIFA to play this tournament. So, I'm sure they will find a solution. I just don't think it'll be all, all over Europe. I think it'll be out of one place
0: yeah and uh, not sure whether the fans will be in those stadiums to watch the games as well uh, talking of uh, covid more fa cup weekend in england um, a couple of teams notably aston villa who lost 4-1 to liverpool they, they had to play essentially a junior team because their their entire senior squad was in isolation following a covid outbreak similar story with Derby County, Wayne Rooney not able to attend, um, a whole heap of juniors making their debuts, and they go down two nil to Chorley. It's it's really starting to affect I guess you could say the integrity in some ways of the competitions.
3: Well, it definitely is um, compact, uh, impacting. Sorry on the, the integrity of competitions if teams are being forced to to field, you know, like Aston Villa and and under twenty three side basically. Um, but they actually performed extremely well against Liverpool. I know in the end, it uh, blew out to, to 4-1 and Liverpool were comfortable in the end. But what a great experience for, for these younger players to play against what was virtually a full-strength Liverpool side. Um, but you raise a valid point, Simon, in terms of, you know, I guess, question marks over the integrity of, of competitions. And we're, we're, we're seeing it daily here in terms of you know games being postponed or all of a sudden a, a, an outbreak where... Potentially, yeah, a whole a whole team is is, is kind of uh, off the cards, and an under twenty three team needs to come in, in in its place. So, really, really scary times over here, and you just don't know what's going to happen on a day to day sort of like situation. Uh, Charlie Darby, obviously, that was a, a another situation that was like it. I think there's going to be more, unfortunately. Mm.
0: In terms of uh, other FA Cup action spider, West Brom uh, went out on penalties to Blackpool after a two-all draw. Sam Allardyce still waiting for his first win. And what about Crawley Town? Absolutely smashed leads by three goals to nil. Amazing. Yeah, there, there was a couple of upsets.
2: and I, can't, I will be honest, I was kicking Blackpool home. <laughs> yeah I was kicking them I was kicking because him of Slither
0: village I, I,
2: yeah I, you know what I, I haven't got it in for big sam it's not him it's just <laughs> the way it happened and he just happens to be the one who took over after billich so I'm just kicking them to get beat every game West Brom sorry West Brom supporters um but those couple of upsets happened uh, Everton got dragged into extra time Ancelotti wouldn't have been happy with that but the others the others got through smooth sailing um Brighton actually won on pens tonight so they didn't go through smooth. Sailing. And Matty Ryan didn't play and oh, wasn't on the bench. Yeah
0: and, and that to me is, is a big disappointment Um because he is the last man standing in terms of the Socceroos in the Premier League at the moment and I just wondered whether Maury he might play against Newport in the cup because Graham Potter changed things around. There's a lot of Premier League managers do, but uh, I mean that to me speaks volumes. If you can't even get on the bench for an FA Cup tie at Newport County, you're really on the nose, aren't you?
3: Yeah, and look, oh,
0: I think, clear.
3: and I think as well, like Graham Potter and Brighton have kind of they don't want to give mixed signals. And I think by even in the cup match leaving Matty out, not being in the squad, there's no mixed signal. The the signal is Maddie Ryan, you need to find yourself a club. Um, I'm confident that. He will be able to do that because he's a fantastic professional. We know he's a great goalkeeper. We're a little bit biased because he's Australian, we want to see him playing. But I I do believe, and Spider, you might be able to support me on this. I think he'll find a club pretty much uh, fairly comfortable within this window. Yeah,
2: it was what we spoke about last week, Maury. Matty Ryan will find a club. It'll come down to wages, demands, and transfer fee who's willing to pay what? If he's willing to drop down to a smaller club, they've got to be able to willing to pay the transfer fee that Brighton wants. And Matty's wages will be a problem. Hmm. That'll that'll be the big that'll be the big key, I think.
0: Interesting. Um, I think I said last week, I reckon Sheffield United should go after him. Aaron Ramsdale has struggled a bit this season. They need a bit of experience at the back. They're struggling against relegation. I think Matty Ryan would be a great acquisition if only on loan, but we shall see. Um, elsewhere, Marine's big day out against uh, Spurs at Rosset Park ended in a 5-0 loss. I did love this story about Jose Mourinho. You know, for all the criticism Mourinho gets... He understands English football so well. He knows that clubs at that semi-pro level, and they're not playing at the moment because non-elite football in England is cancelled. He knows that they're struggling financially. So ahead of that cup tie against Marine, Marine were running a raffle. And the prize, the top prize is, you get to manage the club in a pre-season friendly. They sold over 30,000 tickets. Guess who bought one? Marina. I think that's fantastic, don't you? Real gesture of solidarity.
2: You'd rig the draw, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs>
3: exactly. Yeah, get Jose in for a game, <laughs> the special one. But he's a new man now, isn't he, Mourinho? Yeah. He really, he really is a new man. He's um, he's obviously got people behind him and kind of moved him in a different direction. And look, we, we know that he's always been honest, and he's a media's dream because he always gives you a headline. Um, but the headlines in recent times, uh, you're right, Simon. They kind of um, they meet a lot more to the to the to the normal person, if that makes sense. He kind of he does get it. He understands mm. it. He realizes he's in he's in a privileged role, but he realizes that um, it's tough. It's tough, and it, it, in football, it's tough. In life, it's tough. Um, I've been. I mean, look, I've always been an, an admirer of Mourinho, uh, but he's definitely changed in in his approach and and what he delivers to the media nowadays.
0: No doubt. And he uh, got Spurs through to a cup final, of course, during the week. They defeated Brentford in the semi finals of uh, the League Cup. I wonder if the year of the one is going to strike again for Spurs. Uh, personally, I hope not, because uh, Man City, of course, got through as well to meet them at Wembley, defeating Manchester United at Old Trafford in the other semi final. Big chance lost, perhaps, for United. Uh, But fitting for City that uh, they gave a send-off to the great Colin Bell, who uh, I just must make mention of because he was my absolute hero when I was a kid. And uh, I don't mind saying that I did shed a tear or two on Tuesday this week when news came through of his passing at the age of uh, 74. He was... A terrific player and uh, could have fitted in the Premier League quite easily these days. A couple more uh, things before we move on to our special guest, guys. Uh, Maury, to you on the Scottish Premier League, another win for Rangers, defeating Aberdeen by two goals to one. They're starting to close in on that
3: title. Yeah, with Celtic still to play, I've seen a funny tweet today. Celtic are in a catch-22. Rangers are twenty two <laughs>
1: points. <laughs> <laughs> but, look how uh, happy you are! Look uh, how happy uh, that makes you.
3: <laughs> it's, been long, it's been a long time. Look, Rangers—they—they look—they um, look, were comfortable enough in the game. They were—they were, they, they were two nil up. They had a missed penalty with Morelos. Um, he ended up putting them two, two, two up. Aberdeen had a man sent off, but they scored. They scored late on to to make it a little bit interesting um, towards the end of the match, but. Pataudry up at Aberdeen is a hard place to go, Simon. So, big result for Rangers. no point going to Aberdeen away and losing that match after getting the result in the old firm. So, really important for Rangers and put themselves once again in a fantastic position to hopefully win the title this year spider listen to the way he says pataudry is it, he's only been oh. back
0: there a few months and he's, he's got the lingo back again Petaudry. <laughs> Petaudry. Petaudry. Mate, in, in,
2: all, in all fairness i can't believe you're already celebrating seriously 21 points clear and you're not celebrating 22
0: 22. 22
2: oh sorry i took a point off sorry <laughs> mate, i'd be already celebrating that's right the problem is you got nowhere to celebrate
3: that's true
0: Well, that's put a damper on things. Um, Last uh, question to you, Spider. Uh, FIFA are going to trial substitutions for actual or even suspected concussion at uh, the delayed FIFA Club World Cup in February. Uh, One per game with the switch able to happen regardless of the number of substitutions already used. Uh, And there is talk that this might be in place in England for the FA Cup fourth round in a few weeks' time. This is obviously some sort of a response to the game's growing problem with, with dementia, which we've talked about a fair bit on this podcast over the last few weeks. Is, the, is this one of the solutions? That The game is clearly a little bit rattled by all this, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a good incentive. I think it's something they need to look at. The only thing they need to be careful of, and we know in football all around the world, everyone will try to get an advantage. So if someone's used their five subs and they want to make another one, someone's going to go down with a, some sort of concussion. So they've just got to keep an eye on that because I'm telling you, it will get used and people will start using it like that. But I think it's a very good thing. You're so cynical, Spider. But probably oh, mate, correct. Probably, it's, probably it's correct. <laughs> Any advantage is a good advantage. Ask anyone in football.
0: Absolutely. A um, couple of news lines before we move on to our final segment: Ozzy's abroad. Joel Kiernese is going well in India. Scored in successive matches for Hyderabad in uh, the Super League. In the four-two win over Northeast United, and the four-one win over Chennai. Uh, Jordan Murray likewise scored for Kerala Blasters, as did Gary Hooper in the 4-2 loss for Odisha, for whom Stephen Taylor also scored. Uh, not such good news for Dylan Fox, who was sent off for Robbie Fowler's East Bengal in their one-all draw with Goa. But uh, good luck to all the Aussie boys overseas. We do keep an eye on them, and we'll keep reporting on them in coming weeks in the podcast. Let's move on to our final segment today, which is Footballers' Lives.
3: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom.
0: footballers' lives. Well, our guest today was born in Sydney in 1975, starting his football life with Sydney United in the NSL after a two-year stint with Northern Spirit. He then headed overseas with Alemania Aachen and in China with Nanjing Yo-Yo before returning for the final NSL season. With Sydney United. I do love that name, by the way, in China. After a stint in Malaysia, he really found his home at Sydney FC, winning the inaugural A League title. Further stints followed overseas at Avispa Fukuoka and FC Vaduz in Liechtenstein before he rounded out his playing career with uh, Adelaide United. As a coach, he led Sydney United to success, giving him his A League chance with Wellington Phoenix. He led them and his current club, Western United, to the finals in his first two years as a senior coach. It's a pleasure to welcome Mark Rudan to the show. Good to have you with us. Rudes, how are you, mate?
1: I'm good, Shima. How are you, Spider? Maury? Thanks for the interest,
0: Shima. No, it's great to have you with us. Um, Let's kick off by going right back to the beginning, Rudes. Uh, I imagine football, given your Croatian heritage, was in your family and and in your blood right from the start.
1: Yeah, that's correct. Um, You know, football wasn't a choice. Uh, for for me, it was you know the old fella put put me into a team, and and um, it had to be a Croatian team. And I guess for him, it was about understanding the culture and, and continuing on the culture that he he knew and and mum as well. Um, you know, being around Croatian kids um, was pretty important for him. So I dare say in my, in my youth, and junior club playing days, I didn't play for any other. Club apart from a Croatian club, um, that's just how it was, and like I said, it wasn't a choice until I think I was about thirteen, uh, when all the state state players, New South Wales players, went to St George, and, and um, I asked I asked uh, the old fella if I can go there, and he had none of it. Uh, you're staying with with Sydney Croatia, and that was it. <laughs> you know, Have, basically,
0: you you must obviously remember those uh, early days at Sydney Croatia or Sydney United with, with fondness. You, uh, alongside the likes of a certain Zelko Kalac and Tony Popovic and David Strilich and Ante Milicic, big names in in football in this country.
1: Yeah, fondly remember them. Best best years of my life, to be to be honest. Um, you know, as a kid, you you've got no pressure on you you know, you're kind of innocent as well. And you just go there and you play the game that you love. And, you know, our our world's re- revolved around the game, you know, from training to, to watching Sydney, Croatia, the senior team on on a Sunday um, at home and, you know, picnics before that or, or church on a Sunday morning. I mean, uh, but during those youth and junior years, I mean, you, you look at the production line of talent that Sydney, Croatia produced. And I dare say it is different to, and I know people talk about, Socceroos that are produced, and maybe there are other clubs that have done that, but there aren't many. Well, I don't think there's one that stands out or has done more than Sydney Croatia in terms of producing their own. And what I mean by that is going through the youth ranks. Um, being down here in Melbourne, I've spoken to a lot of the people at Melbourne Knights, and you know, although they've they've got a lot, uh, produced a lot of Socceroos, not many of them actually went through the Melbourne Knights youth system. You know, Mark Viduka is an isolation. Mark Silich is probably another one. The rest of them all, all played for different junior clubs around Melbourne. So, that's what made Sydney Croatia so special. You'd, you know, I was I was obviously younger than Spider and Popper and, and Tezza and these sort of guys. So, I'd play first and then what we'd do is we'd just hang around and watch the rest of the teams play. You know, you just didn't go home because, you know, Dad kind of wasn't there on Saturdays. He was working um, on, on Saturdays. So, allow me to stay there and, and, and just hang around with your mates and, and watch these guys play as well. And um, you know, you, you you watch these guys. And the year, you know, the next stage above was Ante Milicic and, and Ante Moric and these guys, and Spider and Popo, the and Baba, You know, these sort of guys afterwards. So, you know, you, you're always learning. You're watching these guys, and you're just seeing their habits and, and the way they turned up and, and and how they how they played. And um, it was quite unique uh, what we were able to do at that club because we all went through the junior system together, and we all ended up playing together in the senior team, which. Which was a goal of all of ours. It was certainly for me. There was no talk of soccer ruse. It was all about playing for, for the senior team at, on that, on that Adelaide turf at the Denser Park. You know, you, we wanted to just step foot on that on that on that pitch just once um, to to be like our heroes, so to speak. So, yeah, they were great great days, those, those, those younger years.
0: Great, sir. great football education you had there as well. I mentioned you played for Northern Spirits uh, as well. Um, your debut, uh, nearly 19,000 watching against Sydney Olympic, and you lasted 15 minutes. Rudes, you—you you got sent off for fighting with Adam Porridge. <laughs> what on earth happened there? <laughs> that?
1: That's longer than I thought it was. Actually, I mean, it was the first game. It was—it um, <laughs> was an interesting one because uh, you know it was a pretty pretty big crowd for for an self fixture. It was a new club as well. There's a lot of you know Arnie came back and. And Spider and Popper had a bit to do with me going to Northern Spirit, you know, they, they were in Arnie's years and they said, you know, take Roots and Billow as well. And um, it was, a, it was a good time, particularly those first two years when when the crowds turned up and the money was flowing until the money ran out, you know. And there's a lot of stories to tell in that first year, but certainly, you know, Arnie gets you pumping, gets you going and... Um, I, I don't blame him at all for, for my actions and my behaviours. Though they, they they certainly I shouldn't have done what I did. But Adam Porrick, you know, obviously came back from overseas and you know, he was he was uh throwing, you know, throwing his mouth around and, and saying a lot of things at the start of the game and I'm, I don't like that kind of thing, particularly in the tunnel. he started in the tunnel actually. And um, you know, he was having a crack at Robbie Slater and you know Robbie's got you know, broad shoulders and he can protect himself, but you know, I kind of took it upon myself to to tell him to shut up in my my own way. Um, and then we entered onto the pitch, and he kept going, and he kept having a crack at some younger guys as well. And I thought, you know, mate, you, you keep going. We had a, I think we had a, they had a corner. we had a corner, and he kept just having a crack, and you know this and that. And I said, mate, how about you come and mark me? Um, and he refused to do that. And I said, mate, if I get near you, um, or if you make a forward run, you'll know about it. Ended up having the opposite. He he had the ball in the midfield and I had our eyes only for him, so I left my line in the back and I just went for him and um and the, you know we both got red cards, I guess. <laughs>
0: who was who was the worst sledger that you played against in your career?
1: Oh, Muskie's musky's up there.
0: Muskie's <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: up there. Yeah. What's, a, what's in the,
0: the grand final? What's the uh, worst sledge that you can say on a podcast that that, that Muskie said to you?
1: Oh, mate, I, look, he never really said anything to me, to be fair, right? There was always a little bit of respect there. Maybe, maybe because I remember, again, one time we were playing that first A-League season, and he—and again, he was mouthing off. And um, he, he, he liked to pick on some of the younger ones. You know, we really couldn't handle him. So I, I remember dragging his shirt and saying, come on, Stan, you're picking me up. Why don't you pick me up? You know, don't worry about these younger guys. They can't fend for themselves, right? And um, and we had a bit of a laugh about it. and then. I did give him a cheeky help to 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 his head, um, just behind play. And I don't think he, he liked that too much, right? So the next the next free, uh, the next corner that we had, he, he kept mouthing his he, you know he kept mouthing off and, and stuff like that. I can't remember, really remember what what he what he said, but he, he certainly he didn't want to hang around. And Mark, uh, I mean, he did talk the talk, but if you stood up to him, he kind of he understood it. But he was a fantastic leader, Muskie. But like I said, I you know he was he, every team needs a guy like that. Um, and I guess um, you've got to stand up to, to these bullies. Um, and I was probably one myself, I must say, when I was playing as well. So, it's OK. At, look at I'm... Maury.
2: Look at Maury just laughing in the background because Maury <laughs> had the room with him for 20 years. So, could you imagine the room? <laughs>
3: oh, but, but I know Zach got roots talking about. You know, you have that player that is is continuous. He's on the field and trying to get in the in, in the player's ear. And, He would have had that respect for your roots because he tried that also with me when we played against each other. And like you, mate, I just started laughing and he just moves on to the next person, obviously. That's what
1: happens. That's what happens.
0: I I remember, um, if I can tell a quick story, I I did a big game between, I think it was Melbourne Victory and and Adelaide. And on the plane back to Sydney the next day, uh, Matthew Breeze, who was the referee, was on our flight. And it had been a bit of a feisty game. Uh, And I I said to to Breezy, you know, what happened? Because Kevin Muskett was at the center of it. And um, Breezy said, said, from the first whistle, he was in my ear. The first time I blew my whistle, he said, you sure about that? You sure about that one? Okay. And off he ran. Two minutes later, I had to blow my whistle again. And he was saying, mate, you're having a shocker here. You're having a shocker. And by the, the fifth minute, he blew his whistle for the third time. Apparently, Muskie ran by him and just said, this game's too big for you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just thought was brilliant. Um, that leads us, Roots, onto your sort of A-League days. And in particular, Sydney FC, where, where you really seem to sort of find a home. The fans took to you and you to them. Um, you were a big part of that title success in year one. Under Pierre Leparsky, was was that the best spell of your career in retrospect?
1: Yeah, I guess so. Apart, apart from my years at City United, um, yeah. you know, I, I, you're right. I felt the most settled there. I, I did move around a bit, you know, and um, you know, not not sometimes through none of your own choices, but when I when I moved to Europe, which was a big move in itself, and and, and just on that, while I've got Spider and and, and Maury there, you know, I I didn't really want to go the start, I, I, was, I didn't think I was ready. And I, I also love the lifestyle that Australia gave us. You know, the beaches, you know, the um, the good times that come with, with, with the good weather, I, I suppose. But um, I don't know if you remember this, Maury, but in 1997, we were at the MCG when you guys played against Iran. Yeah. And unfortunately, you, you know, you you drew that game. You didn't qualify for the World Cup. We were at that afterwards and we had a few beers and, and a few drinks and I saw you at the bar. And the first thing you said was, and I mean... Myself and the Duke spoke a lot back in those days when he first went to Dinamo Zagreb. And, you know, he was having a tough time of it. And it kind of put me off going overseas as well. He, you know, we were speaking every night. Um, but I remember in 97, and I was at... I think I'd just... A uh, year before I went to Spirit anyway. You know, I saw you and you said, any, any chance of you coming over to Europe, son? You know, what's going on? You know, I mean, you've played enough games down in Australia. Get your ass over here. I'll, I'll help you out. And I guess that's where you know, I started thinking about maybe I should, maybe I should. And, and I remember Dukes was there as well, and he was talking about the same sort of thing. I think, Spider, you were dancing on the dance floor, mate. You were having a good time as you normally do in a nightclub. Um, I
2: was doing the Congo somewhere, wasn't
1: <laughs> and I? And I guess that's where, where um, but you know, I, I tried it. You know, I had, I had a bit of bad luck and, and everything else. And, you know, I ended up coming back home. But yeah, you're right, Sydney FC is where I felt the most settled. It was the first time the league went fully professional as well. And, um, you know, I I enjoyed my time there. We had a great team. You know, we see Stevie Corica and David Strilich and Ulrich Talley and, you know, Yorkie came in and, you know, we had, uh, you know, some really good experienced players um, in that team. And, you know, we did well in that first year and, you know, big crowds and all the rest of it. And and like you said, you know, the, the, you know, I had a good affiliation with the fans and I just felt, I felt at home and I felt happy and, you know, I would have stayed on and would have signed on. Um, you know, John Kuzmina was the coach in that, in that third year, and you know, I'll never forget uh, he approached me because I was coming out of contract, and Pierlak Barsky was trying to sign me um, the year before as well. When he when he left that first year to go to to go to Japan, and he wasn't successful in getting me because I really wanted to stay in Sydney and play Asian Champions League and everything else, which we did the following year. But the third year he came knocking and he kept throwing you know larger amounts of money my way and things like that, and. But I still wanted to give the club the first opportunity. And I uh, spoke to Cosy after training. I said, listen, mate, I'm out of contract. You know about this. Um, you know, what are your thoughts? And he, he turned around to me and he said, um, ah, you know, in Cosy the way he is, he has roots. What are you, 35, 36 right now? Look, mate, I might give you another, another year. You know, the, the legs might start to go and, and stuff like that. Mind you, I was 32 at the time. <laughs> and so, so I went, um, I went, I went home, and and I'd had uh, three different contracts that Libasky had sent me in the in the work. So I kept saying no to him, and and I think um, Kazu Miura got involved in in in, um, in the signing as well. He, he was calling me, saying, "Mate, you got to get your, you get yourself come to Japan. You'll love it here and all the rest of it." So, but when Kose said, Mate, well, you're 35, 36, you know. Um, for me, my mom was sort of made made up, you know? you know. I didn't really want to leave, but I went. But look, those three years, yeah, they were a great time, Shimming, You know, I had a fantastic time of it. Um, and uh, I, wouldn't, I won't forget it.
0: Um okay let's move on to your uh, coaching career which um I don't know whether that was always in your head and obviously you did a bit of TV work which was alongside me for uh, a few years which I enjoyed very much I hope you did as well um do, do you think being on on the TV sort of helped your coaching career a bit as well I mean you, you did have great success with Sydney United which which no doubt got you uh, attention from A league clubs as well um but do you think that that television profile uh, Assisted you in in the same way
1: I think it helped yeah, Shima. I think it helped one one that um, you know you, 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 have, you, you sort of have to stay relevant in this game um, you know in order for people to to, to talk about you and, and to think about you when it comes to jobs. I mean I've always wanted to be a coach Shima. that goes without saying it just so happened that I wasn't fortunate enough once I'd retired I had my last year I mean I went to Adelaide um, for a really you know, I'd retired. I'd come back from Switzerland. I'd, I'd finished playing and, and I'd stop playing. And then I got a call from Viddy, I think two two games into, into the season. And the reason why I went to, to Adelaide was to end up uh, being his assistant the year after. And we spoke about that. It just so happened halfway through that year that you know he took the Ollie Ruse job on and um, and it and it didn't uh, it didn't happen because they went a different way. And I went back to Sydney. So I, I wasn't lucky enough to get a job in the A League. Um, so I had to cut my teeth in the in the NPL. And I guess. I never wanted to do media, Shima. It was not something that I, I was I was keen on doing or or thought I wanted to do. Um, yeah, but I ended up doing it, and it did it did help in terms of the analysis. I know I know you know where I came from. It wasn't about um, coming up with a bigger line, or, or, or it was about analysing the game and, and 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 probably just talking about what I see. You know, from from two teams, uh, from a tactical perspective, and and I guess um, you know that. That, that was liked enough for me to continue to stay there and, and work there for a number of years. But it wasn't something that I was ever comfortable with. I was never comfortable with be, being a media person, so to speak. And it was never something that I, I really wanted. I mean, I, I, know, I know with other people that work in the industry, you know, it, it is their life. It was never something that I saw as my life. Um, you know, I had business interests off the park and, and coaching was my real passion. And it got to a stage where you know people were looking at me more as a TV guy than a, than a coach, you know, because of the work that I was doing at Fox. But it, you know, I, I learned a great deal about different systems, seeing how teams were, were were playing, and and I guess that was that golden era of the A League when you had probably through the best coaches coaching, and Ange Postecoglou, you know, um, Kevin Muscat, and, and 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 Tony Popovich. and and Popper really changed changed the game, you know, because uh, along with Ange as well. And Arnie, should I say too? I mean, those four were the best that we've had in the A League. And you know, I really concentrated on on, on, on looking at the way they, they had their teams playing and the different movements they had and the patterns of play and you know and all that sort of how they would defend and and all that sort of stuff. So it did it did sort of help me with with you know finding little things that the coaches would do with in my own coaching. But it's I wouldn't say that that I, I based any of my philosophies or party, passing patterns or anything like that or the way I, I coach on, on those four. But you do take a little bit from everybody. But, um, yeah, it was it was a good time. It was a good time. But coaching is something that I always wanted to do and and, 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 I'm, and I'm blessed to be doing it now.
2: Rudes, just just with the Sydney United stuff and you say you probably didn't get a chance earlier in the A-League, do you think coaching at the NPL... Uh, cutting your teeth there, making your mistakes as a coach because all new coaches all make mistakes. We've spoken a lot about it on the the pod about coaches bringing players in and getting it wrong, which can happen. Having the time in the NPL to find your feet, to make those mistakes, you had so much success at Sydney United, which opened up the door to actually go into the A-League better prepared.
1: Yeah, spider for sure. In in you know in um, in hindsight, when I look back now, um, you know upon reflection, it's the it's the best thing that could have happened to me. And and, and things happen for a reason. Maybe I was meant to to go and work in the, at that level and and really cut my teeth, Spides, and 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 learn. And like you say, make mistakes. And you know I was very fortunate in the first year that we won the Australian Championship. You know, and I thought, you know, geez, you know, coaching's tough, but it's you know it's not not that hard, right? But then you have a couple of years where you know you're making finals, but you're not winning trophies. And I guess at United, I was kind of lucky if I didn't win the Premiership or the or the Championship. We won the Waratah Cup, so so we we always. But it, it kind of is never enough, as you know, Spies, because you did it yourself last year, right? You know, at United, you, you've got to you've got to win. You've got to always kind of strive to be pushing for the top two position or and things like that. But. Yeah, you, you make mistakes. You make, we, we still make mistakes as coaches. Now, you know, you don't always get it right. You know, even in, in, in the, in the A League, you're not going to always get every every signing right or every, every recruit right. But you still, you know, we do go through a, a pretty thorough risk assessment and we do a lot of research on every player. Um, but I'm, I'm lucky when I look back and that I have had those tough years um, and, and I have grinded my teeth because, you know, I'm, I'm ready for anything right now. And, and I remember, Spud, you know, we, we spoke a lot about those those years at United. You know, you watched a lot of our games and we'd have a lot of conversations over dinner after, afterwards and we talk a lot about uh, about the NPL level as opposed to the A-League level because you obviously work in the A-League, yeah? Sydney FC or, or at Western Sydney. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of talk of between how, how big the gap was between the two from a player perspective, but from a coaching perspective, I can tell you, you know, that my processes in the NPL are no different to what I do here at the A-League. You know, the only difference is I've got a lot more staff, professional staff, who can do their jobs and who are fantastic at doing their jobs, which allows me not to have to really, um, you know, do everything. You, you just manage and overlook a lot of things, and you just control what you can control. And that's, mm. you know, pretty much everything that happens in the football park. But um, yeah, I'm very fortunate that I, that I did that. I, I, would, I would say that, you know, I reckon I've, uh, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing because of the platform and and and, and being able to go through my so-called apprenticeship uh, at that level. Absolutely. Mm.
3: Ridge, you listen, mate, you're obviously very committed as a player and as a person. Uh, we, we all know you very, very well. Um, you've gone into the coaching now and you've you, you know you've done really well. A couple of jobs that you've had now. Um, but as a coach as well, like is that ambition in you like it was as a player to, to, to really test yourself and to potentially travel? I mean, what's your ambition coaching-wise at what level? Uh, I mean, Australia is obviously fantastic because you get to cut your teeth. You get to have a great experience. Do you have aspirations of potentially going uh, further than Australia at some stage?
1: Yeah, without a doubt, Maori. I mean, you, you, you know, we, we've known each other for 25 years. You know, Spider, you know, longer. Um, you know, you know, you guys know what I'm kind of about. And you know, I, I lived in in the shadows. Uh, you know, from a playing perspective. You know, you, you know, all my mates. You know, doing unbelievable things like what you guys did in your playing career, playing at the highest level. And I and I aspired to get there, but. You know, you, you just could it's not through a lack of trying though, you know, but one yeah. thing that, you know, I always wanted to do was 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 to try and, and play at that that the highest level, you know. And um, you know, I gave everything of myself as a player. I I I, I, I you yeah, extremely hard every day. I worked extremely hard every day and, and that's all you can ask yourself, right? And and I don't and I do exactly the same as a coach. We work long hours. I'm very ambitious, Maury. Um, absolutely. I, I wanna be better every day. Um, I want to. I want to coach in, in Asia. I want to coach in Europe. I want to. I want to coach at the highest at the highest level. I mean, I, I was watching you know Musky very closely and Ange before that and and Popper before that. You know, and and these guys are pioneers for us coaches back in, in, in Australia. I mean, we we need these guys to do well for for the rest of us uh, back home and to see Muskie take on you know a, a team a first division team, albeit in, in Belgium, was I was extremely happy for him and. Um, you know, it's unfortunate what happened to him, but, you know, obviously there, there's always reasons as to why a, a coach doesn't do as well as he can because Muskie's a very, very good coach and he's proven that. Europe's a different beast altogether. Completely different. You know, people don't understand that. Um, going to Asia is different as well. We've seen Graham Arnold go to Asia. We've seen other coaches go to Asia and, and not do well. Then we've seen Ange do well after a tough tough first year as well. So you need time. Yeah. Ange was given time at Yokohama. Muskie wasn't given time in Belgium. Right? and that's yes. and that's that's an, an, an unfortunate for, for Muskie, but that's just the, the way it goes but in terms of your question absolutely know, I, I just want to work hard here I, I've still got you know things that I need to do here in Australia you know I've, I've done okay but I haven't done the things that I, I I've set out to do and I, I want to continue to work hard and, and, and be, be the best that I can but I've got aspirations to go overseas absolutely and catch the highest level more if that goes without saying you know I take this very seriously it's, it's a profession. And, um, you know, I coach like it's my last day of work every day. Um, and, 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 that's, that's the only way that I know how.
0: Roots, we should let you get on with work, um, because we kept you quite some time, but we're just going to finish off with with a couple of uh, Twitter questions. Um, let's uh, start with this one from the real death stare. On Twitter which is a great handle uh, as one of the few doesn't sugarcoat his critiquing is your style of criticism especially if a player underperforms what is needed in both the men's and women's games in Australia that's a good question actually
1: yeah look one thing you you'll know about me and 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 I um, know I've been like this this my whole life is I I'm very open and very honest and, and I think that that's a kind of relationship that I build. I build a lot of trust with my players and and my playing group. And as a player, like I said, I, I you know captain a few teams and you know I protect my players. And as a coach, I protect my players first and foremost. But it's my job to 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 get the best out of them and, and make them better. And and I guess uh, you know one thing I pride myself on is is making players better um, and making teams better as well. And and part of that is to be honest with players and i do i don't should code things you know i but I, I do do it in my own way i don't i don't um i don't demoralize them i don't put them down in, in front of their playing group you know I'll, I'll get put my hand around them i'll have a one-on-one chat with them either in my office or on the park after training or, or something like that but you know if I'm, I'm you know i'm a guy that's pretty open you know and, and they, they know that and sometimes we all we all don't like the truth if it hurts us or if it's something that doesn't make us feel good about ourselves. But, you know, my job is not just to make them feel good about themselves and fill them with a lot of confidence and belief, but also to let them know, you know, you need to do these things if you want to be better. I mean, you're great at these things and we want you to continue to do those things and we endorse that and embrace that. But, you know, you need to do these things, but, you know, you need to understand the psyche of each individual first. Some players can handle being criticised, so to speak, or being given, you know, some, some of these uh, feedback in front of their playing group, but others can't. Um, and that's why managing people, understanding people and, and the psychology of a person is very important. The mentality of a person is important too. So, yeah, it's, it's really important that, um, yeah, that, you, that you do that. And like I said, uh, you know, I'm a straight shooter, but I, I'm just very honest, you know, and, and it comes from a place of care and trust as well. And that, I think that's important. They, they've got to know that you're doing this for the right reasons.
0: Okay, um, this is our question of the week, which wins a $100 uh, voucher for Outback Steakhouse. It comes from Nick Gerver, or Gerver, Um, not sure which. It's about Lachlan Wales. Um, Lockie Wales, says Nick, has previously played as a wide outlet with space to run, but we've seen him in a kind of hybrid midfield slash wing role, more reserved and playing more between the lines. Where, Where do you see his future, especially with Max Burgess now back in the squad at Western United? Good question.
1: Look, uh, you know, Lockie Wales is an out-and-out winger, and we've seen that in in the A-League. I don't play with out-and-out wingers, so to speak. Um, So, you know, we look for different skill sets in in our shape, in our our setup and and the way we play. But uh, we we certainly don't start with out-and-out wingers. I mean, our our wing-backs could start high, depending on the opposition, what we're trying to do in terms of how we're trying to break the first two lines. But, you know, they also have to track back and get back in as well. Right. So we knew that, um, but what we needed was a bit of pace in the top third, you know, and, and last year, you know, we didn't have someone breaking lines. So we, we spoke to Lockie when he, when he was a free player. And I explained to him exactly where I was looking to, to utilize him. And that was in the top third in a more central, in that more central corridor area uh, because, you know, we didn't think he had the aerobic capacity to, to go up and down in that wingback position like a Josh Rusden would. And also he wasn't the best defender. So, you know, we, we're looking, we're working on him as a striker, and, and, and we played, you know, a diamond in the in that first game, um, and, and we thought that he could play that role, uh, because he's not bad at getting in between lines, and he's, and he's got a good first touch, and more importantly, he can make good forward runs, so for that game alone, he, he played in that position, but, you know, he's really embraced it, he really likes it, he, he wants a challenge, he doesn't want to be, you know, pegged in as just a, a, an out-and-out winger, and... and um, you know, we're looking at playing, you know, in that central role somewhere, but obviously higher up and, you know, he's going OK, but he's got a long way to go. You know, he still has to has to learn and improve his positioning, you know, the timing of his runs and, and um, you know, and, and his shooting as well. You know, we do a lot of shooting one-on-one, you know, mm-hmm. with him as well, and um, he needs to get better in that area. Okay. Uh
0: final couple. Uh, I'll I'll bunch them together. One from AK Chapman. Are Western United working with Alessandro Diamante for him to stay involved with the A League when he retires? Um, and a completely different question from Ben Archer. Any truth to the rumor you were sounded out for the all whites coaching
1: job? <laughs> uh Diamante, yes. I think yeah. that goes I think that's that's not a secret, you know. We uh, we want to keep him here long term. You know, he's very passionate about the youth and the academy space as well. And you know, I think he sees a future. You know, working with our academy kids, and I think it's great if you can have someone like that. Um, you know, working with, with with the young kids coming through. Um, and 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 yeah, there was there was talks yeah, when I was uh, you know um, at at Wellington. Um, they would obviously they they knew that there was a lot of interest back home in Australia with me, and um, you know, uh, like I said, you know, they were, they were obviously trying to keep me there. Uh, to see my second year out and um and that got mentioned and i had a few chats with um the the new zealand federation as well and uh along with uh, rob morrison who proposed uh, the, the the idea of uh working with a national team and and working with um you know the, the club team
0: did, did you go so far as to learning uh, god defend new zealand as the anthem <laughs> i can't see that coming out of you roots to be perfectly honest hey roots we should leave it there mate because Uh, We have kept you for for way too long, and I know you've got to go and train with your team. Thanks so much for your time, mate. Some great stories, and uh, really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Our thanks to uh, Mark Rudin, and that is us for another week. We'll see you again for more Shim Spider and so much more next week.